right up. Come on. Come on. What do you deserve? Only a quarter to play, and everyone is a winner. No one walks away without the answer to the question. Step right up. Step right up. Come on. Come on. What do you deserve? Only a quarter to play, and everyone is a winner. Well, there is nothing like a creepy video to prepare your hearts to celebrate the greatest event in the history of the world. The tomb is empty. Christ is risen from the dead. We gather together today to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a great honor to have all of you with us at all of our life churches, our network churches. We love you guys so much. And it's a real blessing to know there are literally tens of thousands of people on the other side of computer screens gathering right now live at Church Online. You are a part of our family in countries all over the world. And if I can just say um, from my heart for a moment, this is uh, our 19th Easter leading this church. And Amy and I just, uh, it's impossible to express how humbled we are to serve you. Um, we, just, we love you. We thank God for you. Um, if you've been here with us all 19 years, if it's your first time here, we just want you to know that we truly, truly love and care for you, and we're really blessed and humbled to celebrate for the 19th time as a church that Christ is risen from the dead. And so today we're actually starting a brand new message series called I Deserve It. And what I want to do in uh, this first part of a four-part message series is I'm actually going to tell you two different stories of two thieves, two different stories of two thieves. Unfortunately, the first story of two thieves actually includes me. Uh, honestly, before I was a follower of Jesus, I used to be a thief, and I stole quite a bit. Um, one of the things I did is I, I used to shoplift regularly. I even had a partner in crime. My first year in college, there was a guy I'll call Stan, was my um, shoplifting buddy, and we would plan out our trips. We would go out to steal stuff, and we had a motto, we, we would say, never a dry run. In other words, we're always gonna get something, never a dry run. If it was like a glass walrus that this big, we'd pick something up, but that was kind of our motto. I'm not proud of that, but that's what we did. So um, at the end of the semester, uh, Mother's Day was approaching and I needed to get a gift for my mom. So I asked her what she want. She wanted a pair of women's running shorts. And so I went to steal her a pair of women's running shorts because what could have blessed a mother more than a pair of hot women's running shorts. And I, by hot, I don't mean sexy. Don't you picture my mom in sexy running shorts. I will come to your campus and remove that thought from your mind. I mean hot like stolen. And so, so Stan and I went to the height of fashion, the top of the line premier store for women's running shorts, Montgomery Wards, to make the hit. Now, if you're 
under the age of 35. You don't know what Montgomery Wards is. Just thank God in heaven right now. Pause and worship him. You don't know what Montgomery Wards is. It's a blessing. And, and anyway, so we went in and I kind of shopped. I found the perfect pair to steal from my mom. And they had those um, round clothing racks that you could hide behind if you're going to steal something. How many of you hid in those as a kid? You get in the middle and hide. That was a great fun, just, just one of the great blessings in life. So I took these three pair of running shorts and put them down on the ground, and I hid behind one of those racks to shield anyone from seeing me, and I act like I was trying to decide. And then I slipped one into a bag, and I just kind of remember this real sick rush of adrenaline, like, oh, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And then I kind of put the other two up, and then I kind of walked casually out of the store like I didn't do anything wrong, you know, like, and I met up with Stan, and like, I got something, and he got something, like, yeah, yeah, we got something. And we were walking through the middle of the, wall, the mall, and I remembered this like it was yesterday, going, never a dry run, never a dry run. Never a dry run when all of a sudden the Montgomery Ward security guy caught up to me and he grabbed my hand and threw it behind my back and up higher than you can imagine, I screamed out in pain, caught, busted. Now, for years, I had heard that people under extreme duress and fear would actually wet their pants. It is absolutely and completely true. I didn't just dribble, I drained it right there on the spot in the middle of the mall. Rule number one, do not ever shoplift. Rule number two, do not drink a 44-ounce cherry limeade before you shoplift or your socks will be wet in the middle of the mall. All of a sudden, our motto was ruined. Never again could we say never a dry run. And I was busted right there on the spot. And... Uh, what was really a horrible event ended up becoming a good event in me that it got my attention and started to bring about a change in my life. And by the grace of Jesus, I am not the same as I was then. What I want to do over the next four weeks is I want to show you four different stories in the Gospels about people who deserve something bad, but because of the goodness and grace of Jesus, he did not give them what they deserve. In fact, next week, we're gonna look at a very emotional story about a woman caught in adultery. If you've ever felt ashamed for your sin, if you've ever been locked in like sexual sin or other types of sin where you feel really dark, we're gonna see how Jesus did not give her what she deserved, condemnation, but he gave her mercy. Beautiful, powerful story. Week number three, we're gonna look at Zacchaeus, a guy who was a horrible sinner. A wee little man was he. If you grew up in church, he sang that song. And we're gonna see that Jesus didn't give him rejection, which is what he deserved, but Jesus accepted him and even went to his house. And in the fourth week, we're gonna see Peter, who just continues to fail, 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 rejects and denies Jesus. And when he deserved to be counted out, Jesus gave him another chance. Today, though, we're going to look at a story of someone who actually deserved death. But because of the grace of Jesus, he did not give this man what he deserved. Jesus instead gave him life. In order for us to really walk through this with a good foundational understanding, I wanna start with one big thought. If you're taking notes at all of our churches, we need to understand this in order for the good news to be really good news. If you're taking notes, all of our churches, I'd love for you to write this down. We are all guilty of breaking God's laws. Every single one of us, including you, including me, we're all guilty of breaking God's laws. For example, I stole, so if you're gonna give me a title, what would you call me? I stole, therefore I am a what? All of our churches, Craig is a 
thief, right? How many of you have stolen something? Be honest. Raise your hands up. Raise your hands up, okay? Now, some of you, you're lying right now, which means you're a thief and a liar in church. Oh, dear God, you need this message so much, okay? Welcome to Live Church, where we're here to make you feel good about yourself on Easter. You're a thief and a liar and probably a cheater too, so there you go. <laughs> Welcome, okay? This is what James chapter 2, verse 10 says. For the person who keeps all of the laws, except how many? Say it loud, except for... One, this person is as guilty as the person who's broken all of God's laws. In other words, if you just lusted one time, or cheated one time, or gossiped one time, or lied one time, or stole one time, if you just did it one time, you're as guilty in the eyes of God as someone who broke all of the laws. And Romans 6 tells us exactly what the punishment is or the payment is for us breaking God's laws. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is what? It's, it's death. So in other words, if we understand this, because we have all sinned against God, we actually deserve death. We deserve death. The good news is because of the grace of God, he doesn't have to give us what we deserve if we find a higher savior, and that's what I wanna talk to you about today. Luke 23, we're gonna look at the second story of two thieves. The first story was me and my friend I called Stan, and the second story, we're gonna see Jesus actually on a cross right in between two thieves or two criminals. Here's what uh, Luke said about this story. He said, two other men both criminals, other versions call them thieves, both they were bad people, we know that, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Now, before we read the next part of the story, let me just talk about uh, the crucifixion for just a moment. Uh, the, to crucify someone, that was one of many different ways that you could execute a person during the life of Jesus. Lots of different ways to execute someone. Crucifixion happened to be the most expensive. And the reason it was the most expensive because it took four Roman guards and one centurion to pull this off. And the crucifixion would generally last several days. So your expense on the manpower was very, very high. The reason the Romans would crucify someone is because it was not only expensive, but it happened to be the most painful and the most publicly humiliating way to execute a person. So therefore, the Roman leaders reserved this for those they really wanted to hurt or to make a statement, which tells you a lot about who Jesus was hanging next to. We don't know exactly what they did, but it was bad enough to spend extra money to to bring extra pain and extra humiliation. And the reason it was so painful and humiliating is they would actually strip these criminals down naked. So they would hang you know, naked in front of everybody. The sun would beat down on them for days. They would literally get baked in the sun. They would go mad like crazy because they would lose their senses. In order to breathe, they'd have to push themselves up so they could get a breath until finally they were so exhausted they would just start to, to suffocate. The birds would literally come and start to pick at their bodies as they were dying and everybody could come by and laugh at them. And so you can imagine just how horrible this was. We get, again, don't know what these two criminals did but it was bad enough to spend extra money to humiliate them as they wanted to humiliate Jesus. So here we see them in this horrible situation. Verse 39 says this, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. 
What did he say? Probably more than this, but we know he at least said, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. That's my criminal voice of the angry guy on the cross. Just work with me. It's the best I've got. Okay. But the other criminal rebuked him. So here we've got another bad guy on the other side who pipes back at the first guy. Hey, don't you fear God? He said, since we're under the same sentence, don't you fear God? He says, we're punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. In other words, we brought this on ourselves. But this man, referring to Jesus, has done nothing wrong. What I'd like to do today is I want to just very humbly and, and very gently suggest to you that every single one of you are, spiritually speaking, one of these two thieves. Every single one of us, if we just look at it from a spiritual perspective, we are actually, in the eyes of God, one of these two thieves. And what I want to do is look again at what they said in these moments and then kind of summarize so you can help determine if you are really more like thief number one or you're more like thief number two. Let's look at the first one and we'll look again at verse 39. He's hanging there, he's hurling insults at Jesus, and he says, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. So what do we know about this guy? He's arrogant, right? He's full of pride. He's entitled. He doesn't fear God at all. He's being a smart aleck. If there's anything about God that he wants, is like, okay, if you're Jesus, save your God, then save me too, okay? And, and quite honestly, there are some people that approach God with the same type of way, like, all right, all right, okay, if there is a hell and a heaven, okay, you know, I'll say the stupid little prayer, how's it go? I'll, I'll check the box on the card and give it to you. I'll come to the little class or whatever. Okay, I gotta get baptized, I'll do that whole thing. But you know, I'll do whatever it takes just to get the stuff from him, but don't ask me for anything back. It's an entitled mindset. And this guy, he's not recognizing any guilt. I haven't done anything wrong. This isn't right, this isn't fair. I don't like this whole thing. If you're gonna ask me to summarize this guy in one word, if you're taking notes, I would say he is unrepentant. He's not owning any of his sinfulness. He's not owning that he's done anything wrong. He's critical. He doesn't fear God. He is unrepentant. The second criminal, though equally guilty, he has a different perspective. When he says this in verse 40, he says to the other guy, don't you fear God? Sometimes I would think that Jesus would say that to people today. Don't you have any fear of all, at all? of God. Thief number two says, since we're under the same sentence. Then he owns his sin. He says, we're punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. In other words, we broke the law, we actually deserve this. But this guy, Jesus, he's innocent. He hasn't done anything wrong. You're going to ask me to summarize the second guy. I'm going to tell you, yes, he is guilty. No doubt about it. He's guilty. He sinned. He deserves it. But he's broken, right? He's humble. He recognizes I've done something wrong. Even though he's not perfect, he has some fear of God. If you're gonna ask me to summarize this guy, I'm gonna say he's repentant. The first thief is unrepentant, the second one is repentant. He knows he needs mercy. He knows he needs help. He knows he can't do anything for himself at this moment and he's calling out on Jesus. And let me tell you why this is so important. We live in a world today that culture has significantly shifted, okay? 
20 years ago, people had no problem saying, yeah, 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 we've all done wrong. Yeah, 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 we're sinners, okay? Now today, people get all upset. Don't call me a sinner. I'm not a sinner. I'm not a sinner. I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. Don't tell me that's a sin. This, is, this isn't a sin. I'm not a bad person. And the problem is, when we have that mindset, is we're comparing ourselves to other people not to God. You may be sitting next to someone who's much worse than you. So you're, I'm not that bad of a person. I'm sitting on a really bad person. Just go and elbow them right now and say, you make me feel good about myself, okay? Don't do that, it's Easter, okay? Do it, it's true, so just you know, do it if you want to. But the reality is, so often, it's like, don't tell me I'm a bad person. Don't tell me I've done something wrong. And let me tell you why this is so important. We have to recognize that we have all broken God's laws. We have to start there because until we recognize that we have sinned, then we don't recognize our need for a savior. And the moment we recognize we've fallen short of God's standards, it's at that moment that we become a candidate for grace. If you are unrepentant, if you're arrogant and full of pride, as so many people unfortunately are today, you are more like thief number one. But if you recognize, oh, I have messed up, I have done wrong, I really do need forgiveness, then you're more like thief number two. I'll illustrate it this way. Until you see your sinfulness, you won't see your need for a savior. Um, uh, how, how many of you have gotten a speeding ticket? All of our churches, please participate. It's no fun without you. Raise your hands. Dear Jesus, we've got a sinful church. My <laughs> gosh, bunch of lawbreakers, okay. I got, a, I, got a, uh, I got pulled over one time for having an expired license tag. And so I had to go to traffic court with all you losers, law-breaking speeders. And I came in, and there were all these people in there, and I was really nervous because there were a few people that recognized me. I could see them whispering, there's Pastor Craig. What are, this is going to be good. We're here on the right day. You know? And so I went on the back row. I'm trying to you know, have my hat down, trying to lay low. And the judge was a rather intimidating guy uh, and, and was calling people up front and saying, tell me your story. You know? And so person after person came up and was fighting for their innocence, saying, it's not my fault. God clocked me at 77 miles an hour. I wasn't going over 55. Next person, like, the law, the, the sign wasn't posted clearly. And person after person is defending themselves, declaring their innocence. And finally, the judge said, okay, Craig Groeschel, Pastor Craig, is that you? Like, I came up front and he said, What's your story, Pastor Craig? And I said, well, I just, I'm an idiot. I forgot to check it and, and I'm, I just, I'm an idiot. He said, you're a what? <laughs> so I'm an idiot. He, he looked at me and said, could you say that louder for everyone here to hear what you just said? I'm like, you're the idiot right now. I'm not gonna say it louder. And so I kind of balked and he, he looked at me again. He kind of leaned in and gave me this like knowing look, kind of like, like work with me. He's like, could you say it louder? For everyone to hear us, so I went, well, I'm an idiot. He said, I don't think everybody heard it. I need you to tell, are you guilty? I'm like, I'm guilty. He goes, are, are you a guilty idiot? I said, I am a bad, 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 guilty idiot. I've been a bad, bad, bad boy. I'm a guilty idiot. He said, yes, you are. So you're forgiven. Get out of here before you pollute all these innocent people. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking out. 
No ticket for the gross, yeah, yeah. No ticket for the gross. No ticket for the gross, yeah, yeah. Like, I was completely guilty. But all of a sudden, the judge looks on and says, you are innocent. You're free to go. Get out of here. And that story is 100% true with maybe a little bit of exaggeration just to make it more fun. But the dance really happened in the parking lot, in case you're wondering. And I tell you all that to let you know that if you're arrogant and full of pride, our God looks on and says, I can't help you. But if you come to him repentant and say, I have sinned, I'm an idiot, I'm messed up, I'm dirty, I'm vile, I'm bad, suddenly you become a candidate for his grace. And here's what's so amazing to me, and this just blows my mind. Jesus was hanging on the cross next to two guilty people. They were both equally guilty. They both equally deserved death. And yet both men saw and heard the same things during those fateful few hours. They both had the very same opportunity. They were both suffering severely and they both needed a savior. And one missed it and one didn't. And what just, it, it kept me up praying last night is knowing that that very same thing's gonna happen today. There's gonna be two people sitting side by side, singing the same songs, hearing the same message about the goodness of God. And one person's gonna be thief number one. Stupid, religion, don't need that. I'm not a bad person. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't need that stuff. And right next to him is gonna be, right next to them is gonna be a person who says, I did mess up. I do need help. I do need grace. And the good news is that second one is going to call on Jesus and be transformed in a way that is impossible to describe with earthly words. Made new, forgiven, transformed, changed, healed. Because the second thief, and I want to show you this, he deserved death. He deserved it. But Jesus gave him life. And the reason I get so fired up about this is because his story is my story. His story is my, I was a thief, and that was only the beginning of the stuff that I did. And the way Jesus forgave him is so powerful. It so illustrates the beauty of God's grace that if this doesn't draw you to the love of God, I do not know what will. Let me show you the power of the story. Verse 42 and 43, the, the second thief, he, he just kind of rebukes the first one. And then he looks to Jesus and, and watch what he says. Don't miss this because if you're not paying attention, you're gonna miss it. Here's what he says. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Did you get it? Let me read it again in case you weren't paying attention. Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was it, okay? That was it. There wasn't like this, oh, Heavenly Father, I beseech you now in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that you would grant thy forgiveness to this unrepentant servant of your, no fancy, no, no, no begging. Remember me, Jesus. And then look at what Jesus says. He looks back over to this guy, one moment of repentance, and Jesus looks at him and says, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. 
Boom, right there. Couple, couple of sentences. And eternity has changed for this guy forever. And this is the purest story illustration of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 you will find anywhere in the Bible. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you may say, what, 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 is, what does that say? It was Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that gripped me my second year of college. Because my first year of college, I was lost and hurting and broken. And early my second year, I did some things that were even worse than what I told you. And so I was hurting so badly, all I knew to do was to look to God. I didn't know how, I didn't know where, so I simply got a little Bible and started reading it. And just reading it, Matthew, Mark, I got to Ephesians, and when I got to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it's like, it finally made sense to me. It said, for you are saved by grace. This was the best news ever because I tried so hard to be good enough and could never get it right. The harder I tried to be good, the faster I'd mess up. You're saved by grace through faith and not by works. Don't miss this. You, you, this, is too, this is so amazing. You're saved by grace through faith and not by works. By gr the grace of God through believing that what Jesus did on the cross was enough. That was enough, not by works, not by works. You are not made right with God by being good enough. You're not made right with God by going to church. You're not be made right with God by being a church member. You're not made right with God by giving money. You're not made right with God by helping little old ladies cross the street. You're not made right with God by being a nice person. You're not made right with God by getting rid of bad stuff. You're not made right with God by stopping saying bad words on the golf course. You probably can't even do that without the help of God. You're not made right with God by being a religious person. You're made right with God by grace through faith. And this story illustrates this perfectly. This thief on the cross couldn't do any good works because his hands were bound to the cross. He couldn't even go to church because he couldn't get off the cross. He couldn't turn over a new leaf and do good things because he was dying. All he could do was trust in the grace of Jesus. And suddenly, that brings other scriptures to life. All of a sudden, Psalm 103 means something big to me. I praise our God that God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Why? Because as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I don't know how you're sitting there being quiet because sometimes I just have to praise our God that he does not treat us as our sins deserve, that he did not treat me as my sins deserve because I deserve death, but because of Jesus, he gave me life. He does not repay us according to his iniquities, that he has separated my sins as far as the east is from the west, and he does not hold them against me. So here is the news you cannot miss. We don't have eternal life because we're good. We have eternal life because God is good, and that is the heart of the gospel. We are not good. We don't earn it. We can't, ne we never deserve it. We only have it because he is good. He is good. He is good. He is good. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Let me tell you how good he is. He loves you so much. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more, and there's no sin you can commit, 
commit that makes him love you less because he loves you, not because that's what he does, that's who he is. He is love. And because he loves you so much, he sent Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself and became nothing in the form of a servant, even being obedient to death on the cross. And imagine our Savior, God in the flesh, on a cross, when he should have been on, uh, uh, sitting on a throne, he was hanging on a cross. When he should have had a crown of gold, he had a crown of thorns. When he should have been surrounded by servants, he was surrounded by thieves. When he was innocent, he gave his life for us who were guilty. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, God does not hold our sins against us. And then Jesus, taking on the sin of the world, taking on my sin, my sin, he looked up to heaven and said, it is finished. I did what you sent me to do. Then he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. And when he did, the earth shook. The skies went dark. And the centurion looked on and said, surely this man was the son of God. And when everyone else thought it was over, heaven knew it was just getting started because three days later, when the women went to the tomb, the stone was rolled away and it was empty. Why? Because Christ was not there. He was risen from the dead. And that one act defeated death, hell, and the grave. And so we have to recognize we don't have the potential of eternal life because we're good. We have it because he is good. And we have all sinned and we all deserve death. And the wages of sin is death, part one of Romans 6, 23. Part two says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, I praise my God in heaven that because of Jesus, he does not treat me as my sins deserve, that he does not judge me according to my own actions, but he sees the grace of Jesus on my life. Therefore, 1 Peter 1.3, I say praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He has given us what? Somebody help me. He's given us a New birth, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, and behold, everything becomes new. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He has given us a new birth into the living hope, not through our own good works, but somebody somewhere, help me, through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that's why we gather today with billions of people around the world to say we love you, God, because you did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. The tomb is empty, your son is risen, therefore we worship you. Father, we pray today that people around the world would be different because of the grace and the power and the love of your son, Jesus. At all of our churches, there are those of you who've been followers of Jesus for some time, and I wanna give you the chance just to share your devotion, your love, and your worship with Jesus right now. All of our churches, those of you who say, I am not who I was, I am different because of Jesus, I love him, and I wanna take a moment as if it's my first Easter to ever know him to express my love and my worship to him. Those of you who say, yes, that would be me today, would you lift up your hands right now, just all around the room, just lift up your hands. If you will, just sitting where you are, just, just, just express your love to Jesus. Just tell him 
You can say it quietly. You, you can say it in your mind. He knows your thoughts. T tell him how much you love him. Thank him for who he is. Thank you for his unconditional love. Thank you that even right now, he has ascended into heaven, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for you. That he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within those who are believers, that we have a comforter with us, the Holy Spirit guiding us into all truth. Take a moment and share your heart with him. Worship him. Tell him you adore him. Tell him he's the only one worthy of praise. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. All of our churches, as you continue praying, there are those of you, you're going to recognize right now, you are one of two thieves. You're one of two thieves. The good news is you get to choose which one you want to be. And some of you right now, you're going to be just like I was in college, recognizing, oh, I, I have done wrong. I was a thief. I, I, was a, I sinned in more ways than I, could, that I even want to describe and I recognized I needed forgiveness. And so one day on a softball field after reading Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, I just knelt down and said, if it's true, then I give it all to you. It's about that easy, I give it to you. Remember me when you come to your kingdom. As simple as you can, you just say, Jesus, I want you, I give my life to you. And when you do, you'll become a new creation, a new person, the old is gone and everything is new. And quite honestly, that's why many of you are here today. And the reality is, at many places, there are two of you sitting side by side, and both of you need this. The tragedy is, one person may not choose to trust Christ, but the good news is, you can. All of our churches, you recognize, I believe this story is so good, it's gotta be true. A God who became one of us, who died, was risen again. I place my trust in Jesus. I ask him to forgive me today by faith. I give my life to him. All of our churches, you say, I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. I need his mercy. I recognize it today. I give my life to Jesus. That's your prayer. Lift your hands high right now, all over the place, and say yes. Leave them up, if you will, right here, three of you in the middle section. Nobody else looking around. This is their time right over here. God bless you guys right back here in this section, way back over here, back in the back over here. Praise God for you right over here. Both of you here, bless you guys. Right back over here in this section as well. Church online, you click right below me. Again, right back over here. I surrender way back over here on this side. Jesus, take all of my life back here. Be the Lord of my life. Somebody better applaud and say, we worship you, God, right over here in this section. Others today who say, yes, Jesus, I need you. I step across the line. There's someone leaning into it. I trust you now. I give my life completely to you. Would you all pray with those around you? Everybody aloud, pray, Heavenly Father, Forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me, and he rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you and I could follow you. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. The tomb is empty. He is risen. People are born into the family of God. Would you worship big? Would you praise God? Would you give him honor? Give him praise? Give him glory? Jesus is risen from the dead and we worship you.